This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Hey, welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Typically, we walk you through the Enneagram in every episode, and we explore some specific element of the Enneagram. And today's a special episode. It's, it's something different. The reality is, is that we are experiencing something that none of us have ever experienced before, and that's this pandemic uh, with COVID-19 and just how it has deeply changed life for so many of us. Our life right now looks incredibly different. Many of us are in social isolation. Our communication with other people is all done over video. And uh, many of us, our rhythms in life are completely messed up. And there's no sense of when all this exactly is going to end. Everybody's guessing. And and we're just trying to make sense of where all this is heading. Yeah, I think there's a lot of us that have suffered, you know, job loss and, you know, or job suspension or layoff, quarantine. Uh, it can be scary to just not know and have to rely on others for help, you know, asking for help, either asking for government assistance or asking for, you know, just the church to respond. Um, so it can be scary. And so we wanted to take time to acknowledge that, to grieve that and to talk about it. And we've got a friend here with us that's joining us um, from her home, Beth McCord. So she's going to bring some insight as well. Yeah. Hey, Beth. Welcome. Hey, hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being here. So we're going to talk about how each type is responding to this pandemic. And one of our big goals in this is really just help us all with our empathy. We really want to make sure that we're doing the best that we can to really understand what each person is going through. The reality is, is that we all just respond different when the stresses and hardships of life come. And considering the magnitude of this situation, the truth is that we're all just in different spots. Yeah, I think it's so important that we all recognize that we're seeing, perceiving, and interpreting the circumstances differently, all nine types. Once we understand that, it helps us to pause, to ask clarifying questions before we start to commit a suicide, which is where we assume wrongly other people's thoughts, feelings, and motives, which can hurt and harm relationships, which can really happen a lot when we're stressed, especially in a pandemic. So if we can understand, oh, we're actually seeing everything differently, like as if we have different sunglasses on that have different colors, then we can ask other people, hey, how are you doing? You're just having that empathetic, that compassion, grace, mercy, all of that is, I mean, it's important just in a normal everyday life, but especially right now. So I hope that this can really help people to put the lens of someone else on so that they can move towards them in a way that honors Christ. Yeah. So I guess the way that you came across uh, each of the things you're about to share is you actually polled the folks that that follow your social media accounts and asked them the basic question of just how are you guys doing? Um, what is your type and how are you guys doing and how are you handling and responding to everything? 
And so what you're about to share is a synopsis of what that online community shared. Yeah, I put it together. Um, I kind of compiled it, put it in some like little short blurbs. And then I posted it in my Become an Enneagram Coach course Facebook group. So I have like 600 coaches that are in this one group that have taken my course just to make sure. And these people are way well-versed, right? Than just the everyday person. And just to verify, is this what you guys are experiencing? Is this how you're reacting? And it was a hands down. Yes, that is me totally. So it's really confirming that, you know, what I had heard from just people in general was confirmed by people that know the Enneagram really well. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I guess let's do this then. Let's make our way through all nine types. Let's start with type two. So just a reminder for our listeners. So twos, threes, and fours, you guys are in the heart triad. So your predominant underlying emotion is shame and you guys are highly relational. And so Beth, tell us some about what you're hearing about type twos and how they're responding to everything. So what I heard from twos was that they feel devastated, that they can't connect and help others. So they're desperately trying to find other ways, especially like virtual ways to help others. Actually, this series came out because of two twos in my life. One type two had a shoulder surgery done. And so, you know, her arm is like literally fixed in a position. So that was already going to be hard enough. But with the pandemic and she's a little bit older, she literally cannot help. So she reached out to me and almost was insisting that I help others because I could with my platform. And then I had another friend, a missionary who's in Spain and, you know, they're a couple weeks ahead of us. So she was already in lockdown at the time and she couldn't help anyone as well. I mean, of course, you know, she could a little bit, but she wanted to help in a much bigger way. So she did the same thing. She asked that I would do this. They were trying to channel their help through me because they knew I could reach more people. And I'm a nine. So I'm like, huh? Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. (laughs) It's so funny how we're so different. And it was great because it helped me to kind of get my type nine jump started. But what I want people to recognize is that the twos, this is a really hard thing for them because they're literally being told to stay home, to not connect, to not engage. They can feel and see all these needs and how people are suffering. And they're literally told to stay home. I mean, unless they're one of the essential people working on the front lines and stuff like that. But we're talking about majority of the people that are hunkered down at home. And it's just been really, really hard for them. Yeah, I would imagine it's creating just a great deal of inner conflict, you know, because I could see some twos really feeling the temptation to break protocol because the greater good is I need to go help this person that I know that's in need. But at the same time, the way that I'm being told to help everybody is by doing nothing and that seems completely counterintuitive. <laughs> the two would never, they have no category for that. Yeah. I also yeah. think it gives twos an opportunity to tap into their four energy of creativity. I really want to give my mom a shout out here. She's a two and she works at a school and she is organizing like a caravan of love for her teacher friends to drive around and just honk and wave. So it's like a good opportunity for twos to get creative with the way that they love others. You know, what's interesting is the virtue of the two is humility. So we paired this with a verse of Jesus washing Peter's feet and Peter saying no. And then Jesus saying, I need to wash your feet. Let me serve you. And a lot of us think, oh, yeah, I should be like Jesus. No, Jesus was saying, humble yourself and allow him to serve you. And if there's anything, I hope that the twos can kind of you know capture in their mind as they're kind of stuck at home and not able to do their normal helpfulness is to allow Jesus to serve them. Yeah, that's good. 
Okay, so Beth, what about threes? Yeah, so what you're finding is threes are starting to strategize the best way to get through this crisis. So they develop plans and goals that they immediately put to practice, trying to accomplish all of these things in the most effective and efficient way. The problem, and this is so true for all of us, every given hour and every given day, there's something new that, you know, kind of knocks you off kilter. And that can just be really disorienting for our threes because they usually have this awesome plan that's seamless, that they get it done, you know, from point A to point B. And there's nothing about this that allows us to do that. Yeah, I, uh, I've got a lot of three. A lot of threes naturally because of their disposition are in leadership positions. And one of the things that is hard in this scenario, I was texting the other day with some executive directors of other nonprofits and and we're all just like so stressed out. You know, there's the economic scenarios that we're in as we're trying to make decisions about how to best care for our institutions and the people that uh, that we're responsible for. But the other thing is like there's all this pressure because everybody's looking at us. Like all of the people that work for us are looking to us and saying like, oh, give me leadership, give me answers. So I think that folks with a lot of three are just – there's just a lot of pressure to have answers right now. And sometimes there's just – there aren't – you know, there are some things that are just not answers for, at least not yet. I worry about threes because there's a tendency to for them already to hide and to hide their internal reality and their internal world. And so I just worry that this will create more isolation from community when the virtue often is to insert yourself into a community and to be real and to be honest with how you're doing. So I just hope and pray that threes can virtually do that, you know, FaceTime a friend, you know, don't hide and don't you shut off your emotional valve at this time. Like, you know, this is an opportunity to slow down and to say like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm literally not in control of what's next. And I don't, I don't know what the way forward, but I'm still loved and I think I'm still worthy of love. Which really requires us, like for the threes to get to that virtue of authenticity, to just be real and genuine that this is a hard place to be. This is frustrating. This is sad. It's inhibiting them from doing what they think they should be doing. But it also gives them this space to just be real and allow them to be loved in that space of being authentic and that they can't accomplish what they think they should be accomplished in a normal season of life. That's good. Okay. So talk to us about type fours. What I found with a lot of fours is there's kind of a spectrum going on. You've got usually the emotions are very up and down for sure, but at times they can either not be very worried at all. And then they can also feel very lonely. But what I also heard from them is that their emotions or the emotions of others, because fours have this ability to understand other people's emotions and uh, very intuitive can really overtake them like a tsunami. And, you know, I mean, that's, everyone in the world is suffering. Everyone in the world is struggling to some degree. And I can't even imagine, you know, because some of us are empathetic, but then I think you fours really can tap into the sorrow and the emotions of others. And the whole world is crying out. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much going on. I mean, and and then, and then in turn, what happens is I I go to that non-resourceful two space where I start to stuff my own emotions down because I'm too busy trying to take care of everybody else. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I am. And does it feel lonely? Uh, as time goes on, it feels increasingly strange to not have physical contact with the people that I care about. And and my wife, my wife's got a lot of four. And every single day she tells me that she feels lonely, even if we've talked, you know, to friends and even if things are great with our children and we're doing well. It's just an inherent sense of 
of disconnect. You know, the virtue of the four is equanimity, which is emotional balance. And what I want fours to understand when they step into their virtue of equanimity, it's not getting rid of emotions because Christ is a perfect example of how you feel your emotions. You know, Lord, please take this cup from me, but what is your will I will do? We keep them in balance where he was still able to see the need at hand and to do what was God's calling in that moment. And this isn't a time to get rid of emotions, but to step into them with this kind of emotional sobriety through Christ bringing balance into that emotional state. Okay, so we did the heart triad. Next up is the head triad. These people, their primary core emotion is fear. So I'm very curious to hear, you know, about these folks in particular. Best start us off with type five. Yeah, so with the fives, what I heard them say is they were really enjoying this new norm of social distancing. Like, yeah, I've been practicing this my whole life. You know, this is great. Until they got stuck at home with their families who start to invade in their space and intrude, which starts to really deplete their inner resources quickly. And so then they start to kind of panic in the sense of, how do I find time alone? Where do I go? How do I recharge? When is this going to end? And so it went from, oh, yeah, I could totally social distance to oh my goodness, now the little space I had is no longer even there. And so it's a really difficult time for the fives to find that place to recharge and not to get over depleted. You know, if I could give an encouragement to fives in this situation is, we all know you, we recognize that you need more alone time and more space than some of the other personality types. Do the best you can to set, you know, a bit of like a solitude diet. Like, You know, what does it look like for you to be able to go take a walk by yourself or, you know, to sit in some section of your house and put on noise-canceling headphones or, you know, the best that you can given the situation. But please don't withdraw perpetually because uh, the people around you do need you. And that's not to overwhelm you, but it's because you're, you're a real gift to them. They need your love and your affection and your, your presence and your wisdom in the midst of all of this. And so what we are talking about with the fives is, the virtue of uh, non-attachment, which really is talking about to not detach from others and not attach themselves so much to their inner resources, but to connect with others. Yeah, I think about um, how often Jesus withdrew in order to prepare himself for service of others versus withdrawing, you know, perpetually. Yeah, I think fives are good at kind of selective engagement. They like intimacy on their own terms. They like people on their own terms sometimes, you know, but I think it's important for fives to to limit their ability to, to withdraw to your point of that solitude diet. Okay, Beth, type six. Yeah, so this is really interesting. Um, I think a lot of people that don't know the Enneagram well or maybe don't understand sixes well are thinking, oh, this has got to be the worst time for sixes. They were, well, they were ready for this. They were ready for this. Exactly. So there's kind of a spectrum here as well. So either they have prepared for this their whole life and are ready to take action. They're very clear minded at this point. They know exactly what to do. Or they can, if they haven't prepared for this scenario, they can feel unprepared and anxious and their mind starts to race with worst case scenarios. But in general, most sixes, when they're in a crisis, that's when they're at their best. It's before the crisis that they start to think of worst case scenarios and they're anxious. Yeah. So your husband is a six. My yes. wife is a six. 
and you totally just described my wife. Like when this wave was kind of almost coming, like it was still in China, it wasn't quite here. She was sort of more anxious in that period. And then like once it got here and protocol started being put in place, she's like, got it. And she's sort of locked and loaded. Yeah. So for my husband is, um, he was like her, your, your wife, where as it got to be more of a reality, but before everyone else was kind of, you know, running to the stores, we had already done like three grocery store runs just to kind of stock up on, you know, just some things, not, not hoard, but just stock up. And he was like, we need to be prepared. So we did, we kind of just slowly got things ready to go. But once he felt like we were at a pretty safe level, he was more into that. Okay, we're in action. Let's go. We can do this. And so that's really what I want people to understand about sixes is yes, they can think of the worst case scenarios, but in a crisis, they are like the best ones to have around you because they're prepared. They're ready to go. And their virtue is courage. And so they really step up instead of kind of, you know, people would think, oh, well, they're going to wither away from the anxieties of the world. They actually stand up and stand in the crisis with courage. Yeah. Now, I think it's also worth noting, though, that type sixes also are probably going to have just sort of a permanent low level anxiety throughout this situation as well. So don't be shocked if, you know, the type sixes in your life sort of suddenly have kind of emotional outbursts or sort of suddenly kind of react strongly. And a lot of that is just like it's a pressure release. Like a lot of that anxiety is just bubbling under the surface. So just a reminder, just be gracious. We always say that sixes are the most courageous type on the Enneagram, but courage takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And so if you're, you know, the sixes in your life have moments where they they begin to, to falter, just, just be gracious with them. Uh, okay, so let's talk about type seven. Yeah. So, oh, our sevens. <laughs> our poor sevens. <laughs> Seriously, guys. Oh, seven. So, well, here's the interesting thing. So the majority of sevens, as this was kind of coming more into play and there were more restrictions on flights, the more they were planning vacations, the more they were actually buying flights to places. Because they were cheaper? Yeah, they were cheaper and they were like, oh, this is going to be because they they reframe, right? Oh, this is going to be great or I'm going to, it's fine. You know, I'll just take a quick trip here or, because it wasn't quite here yet. But then when it really got here and, and cities started to lock down, that's when the real struggle started to happen because they felt that they were being trapped and missing out on things that they should be able to normally do. And so they find themselves still dreaming of what could be. But for some people, depending on what cities or, or parts of the country they're in, they're really restricted, which is one of their core fears to be restrained, limited, bored, missing out. And so this can be a really hard time for seven. So I just really encourage the sevens to be creative in this space. I had someone uh, direct message me that they were doing a hide and seek with other families. So every family was in their van. So in their own van, so their quarantine family, but they would play hide and go seek like in the neighborhood or like you know, in their awesome. cars. Yeah. Isn't that fun? That's, That's fun. cool. Yeah. And there's just, so there are ways for us to still have fun and be creative, but just recognize for the sevens, there's this insatiable desire to fill themselves up with stimulation and excitement and there's just a lot of that's being cut out right now. And so I just really do feel for our sevens how it probably feels like there's ants in their pants. Like they just got to get up and go and do something. Yeah, I think out of all the types, I feel the the hardest 
for the sevens. Like, I think that they're taking it the hardest. I mean, just because they, like you said, to your point, like they have such an insatiable desire for the zest and zeal of life. And now we're all in our homes forever, <laughs> you know? And I think that they can they play into some of the the fear, you know, afraid of the silence, afraid of boredom, afraid of monotony, whatever it might be. So I just really have great empathy for my friends who are sevens. Um, yeah, just my heart goes out to sevens. One of the things I do, I do think it's worth noting is that sevens more than any other type on the Enneagram, the seven energy is the most prone to addiction. And I just want to caution our listeners that if you have a lot of seven, there's going to be a real temptation right now for you to indulge in the addictions in your life as a way to escape the pain that you're feeling. And I just want to encourage you to reach out to folks that you trust and folks that you love. And just to remember that whatever that addiction is, it's going to take from you far more than it's ever going to give you. And that as difficult as this circumstance is right now, there's a better life than whatever that addiction is. So just for those that are listening and you do struggle with addiction, I just want to encourage you, reach out to a loved one, reach out to somebody that can support you, that can listen to you, and do the best you can to be honest about the things that you're feeling and the fears that you have right now. Okay, so let's move on to the gut triad. So a reminder, these folks predominantly process the world with their gut instincts and with their bodies, and their underlying emotion is guilt, which often manifests as anger. And so, Beth, talk to us about type eights. Yeah, so the eights are really, they're kind of ready to go in the sense of conquering this virus and doing everything they can to protect their family, friends, country, community, whatever it is that they feel focused and dialed in on. And I call them snowplows, like the big snowplows up in the north, because they plow a path for others. And the healthier the eight is, the more they see those that are in need in front of them and have them get behind them to plow that path. And so I would just highly recommend the eights that you recognize this is such an opportune time for you guys to plow a path for those that are in great need. Yeah. Eights have a lot to offer right now just in their sturdiness and their strength to people that just feel, you know, anxious and overwhelmed. So yeah, so eights just the more that you guys are able to show up, particularly for the folks around you that might be more, more vulnerable right now, would just, would just mean a lot. I only, I feel like I have like one friend who's an eighth that I always talk about, but like I FaceTimed her and I was in a space where I was freaking out, but she offered that steady presence to me that I really needed. She kind of reminded me of who I was and reminded us of our friendship. And I did, she didn't, it wasn't like a hold my hand, walk me through it thing, but it was just like, I turned on the phone and that's where she was at. That's who she was. So I just am appreciative of that. And so I'm inviting eights, continue to be who you are for the people in your life, whatever that looks like, however you maintain that social distance and show up for your people, like continue to do that. Okay. What about nines, Beth? <laughs> this one's easy for me because I'm a nine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I find this kind of interesting because as a nine, I, it's, it's a great fluctuation inside. Okay. So I go to my six in stress. So usually what happens is I'm like, it's going to be fine. We don't need to worry. It's over in China or, oh, it's in Washington state. You know, it's not here, you know, kind of this optimistic thinking like it's going to be fine. But then all of a sudden I move to that six space and I start to see what could happen. The worst case thinking And because I'm not a six, as my husband will remind me, 
I get a little discombobulated when I get into that space. Yeah. Like I can think of all the worst case scenarios and my mind just goes and I'm not used to that space. And so there's a great deal of pressure inside. I tell people it feels like a two liter Coke that has a lid tight on it, that this crisis and circumstance is shaking it up. And I feel like I'm going to explode, but I don't want to explode because I don't want to harm relationships around me. And I don't want to feel this pressure. And so I just want to dive into my bed or escape with Netflix, whatever I can do to kind of disassociate and numb out from being overwhelmed and anxious. And so it kind of goes in this cycle of, oh, I think we're doing good today to, oh my goodness, this is going to be the worst thing ever to, I can't take it anymore. Yes. <laughs> um I definitely vacillate between just like mindless hobbies and stress watching the news, like even on a daily basis. And because I'm not a six, I haven't prepared for this. Like I don't like I don't have the stockpiles. I don't have the contingency plans. I just have the panic and the fear and the anxiety. So what I found is, OK, if I check in with the news once, maybe twice a day, like once in the morning or maybe in the afternoon, like if I just kind of even avoid it in the morning unless I need to or like, yeah, and then I can get my day going with more connecting with God and prayer, maybe some worship, then I feel like there's a little bit more stable ground versus the mind racing. And I can kind of engage better throughout the day. But that's hard because we're inundated with all of this information. So I think having those around us that can kind of, we can lean on like, hey, I'm going to not check in with the news too much. Could you kind of give me a heads up if there's something really I need to be aware of or need to know that would be really helpful so I don't get flooded. It's interesting to hear you both talk as a non-nine because you both described essentially you take on the emotional state of the six that becomes afraid and anxious. But unlike the six, if you are not thoughtful, you don't take on the planning. So the emotional state sets in, but not the, the like, what's our action plan? Like, as opposed to the six that's like, I feel anxious, therefore I'm, I'm going to build this plan and do this thing. I think I, f I shoot from the hip a lot. <laughs> like I, I feel out the plan as I'm building the, the plane. Like I, I'm building the plane as I'm flying the plane kind of thing. I don't sit down to actually um, construct any sort of logical, like when I'm stressed, when I'm not I'm stressed. I'm not a pilot, <laughs> but it seems like if you're flying the plane and building the plane at the You've never same heard that expression? moment. You've never heard that expression I before? I have questions. Yeah. But having the forethought of, a plan. Part of your plan is I need to limit my news intake. Yes. Yeah. That that is part of a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And by merely by limiting the the passive intake, it increases your engagement. Yes, I would and, say so. Okay. So Beth, talk to us about type ones. Oh yeah, type ones. So the type ones were pretty adamant about this. It was like almost all of them said the same thing that they're upset that others aren't following the rules. And they're hoarding resources like toilet paper. Because to them, hey, they said, stay inside, six feet apart from anyone else, get what you need from the store, but don't overstock up. Like they don't understand why people are not following the rules. If everyone follow the rules, this would be over much quicker. So that is the underlying frustration for the type ones. Ones, I'm with you, you know, in terms of observing all these social rules. I think like... Yeah, I wish more people would. My only exception is is when we come into the studio and we're all sitting fairly far apart from each other right now. Um, and Sam just shifted in her seat farther away from me. <laughs> um, yeah, but it is it is super frustrating just to see so many people succumb to selfishness 
or profiteering and disregarding, you know, what's good for everybody as a whole. Now, the virtue of ones is serenity for them to recognize that God has this under control. He understands what's going on, though. Yes, there are certain things we should be doing, all of us, you know, and following certain rules to help the world. God is sovereign and they can have a, a sense of serenity in his care for them. Yeah. Well, um, our hope in this episode was just to to connect with each of our listeners and just to let you guys know that we empathize. We empathize with what you're going through. We are too. And that you're not alone in the way that you're frustrated, in the way that you're scared, in the way that you are trying to figure out what life looks like right now. And I think if we could remind you of anything, it's just that this is new to us, but it's not new to God. And it is definitely not new to the Christians that have come before us. And that there is something mysterious and good amidst all this suffering where we join in the sufferings of Christ when we suffer. And that any time throughout history that the world has gone through times of tremendous pain and suffering, the, the church has something really beautiful to offer in how we suffer. And so we can't change the fact that we're going to suffer, but God help us, let us suffer differently. Let us suffer as people who have been called apart, people who are loved. And so let us be good neighbors and let us be honest with the Lord as we attempt to be people who suffer differently. I want to say thanks to Beth McCord for joining us for this conversation. As always, you can go to her website at yourenneagramcoach.com. Just a reminder, season three of the Enneacast does kick off on April 7th. We're going to help you explore your story this season. So that's it. We appreciate all of you listening. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks. See ya. See ya.